All right, I'm going to get started in today's message, and uh, I'll try my best not to keep you as long as I did last week, um, but, um, but I know you got something out of it, amen? I'm in my series, my six-week series of called The Invasion, and today's subtitle would be, Here Comes the Battle. Here comes the battle. Have you ever uh, been in life and you just felt like something was going to happen? You just knew, and it wasn't going to be good. You just knew it wasn't going to be. I don't know if that's close to sorcery or not. I ain't really sure. But, <laughs> but, you, you, but there's some things you know. You do some dumb things and you know what's fixing to happen. That's not sorcery. That's called stupidity. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, sometimes our stupidity brings us a great battle. Right, And we have to fight through some things based on some stuff we've done. Amen. And so today I would title the message, Here Comes the Battle. And I want to talk about you and me today. Anybody, uh, you can go ahead and raise your hands. You don't have to be so super. Anybody ever heard that song by, uh, uh, good Lord, what's the guy's name? Toby Keith, I want to talk about me. But it starts out, it says, all you want to talk about is you. I want to talk about you today. <laughs> Amen. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about me, and I want to talk about where we're at. Here comes the battle. Let's little review real quick. There were six things we talked about last week in, in, uh, in our review that you need to know about, six things you need to know about an invasion from your enemy, okay? Number one was simply you must have an adversary. Some people fighting things, and there ain't nothing out there to fight. You ever been scared of something that was supposed to be in the closet that wasn't in the closet? When I was a kid, I was always afraid something was in the closet and I was supposed to be scared of, and there wasn't nothing in the closet. So, number one, you got to have an adversary. Number two, you, can't keep the in- you cannot keep the enemy from approaching you. Amen. You can't keep him from coming at you, okay? Number three, adversaries usually start out with a bluff or a lie to get what they want. I'm going to back up number two. Uh, I, just, I just got to jump here, uh, kicking my spirit or something. You can't keep the enemy from approaching you. You know, we think sometimes we can do everything just right and the enemy shouldn't be bothering us because I've heard this question asked to me and you have too. Why am I under such attack? You know what that tells me? That you think that the devil shouldn't attack you. Well, the Bible says count it all joy and trials and persecutions come at us. Come on, think about that just a minute. They're coming, okay? You can't keep them from coming, so, so don't fret that stuff. Uh, Matter of fact, when he's hitting you, you say, I must be doing something right. Glory to God. I'm on the right track now. Amen? Amen. Number four, um, you can't reason with your enemy. You can't reason with your enemy. I've never tried to reason with somebody I was in a fight with. Well, let's stop and let's reason about this. Let's talk about this. No, you just get your your lights knocked out. I mean, that's not the time to reason, okay? But you can't reason with the devil. He has no reason about him, amen? Number five, your enemy is out to get you. No, that's his sole purpose. Remember John 10, 10? What did the devil come to do? There's three things. He said he didn't come to do any of these things. Kill, steal, and destroy. That's it, period. That's his objective in your life. So when you're fighting the devil, know that that's what he wants from you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you figure out what he's wanting to do in your life, okay? That's what he's wanting to do. Which one of those is, hey, his ultimately he wants to kill you. Period. He wants to kill you. And number six, the only way to defeat your adversary is with the Word of God. Amen. We don't like it. I didn't like it any better than you do because sometimes you just you want to retaliate that same thing that you got. You want to do that back, right? That's not what the Bible teaches. So you get in your Word. 
And you know what the Word says? And you can defeat even the, the enemies in the flesh if you stay in the Word. It's through the Word of God that you defeat your enemies. Amen? So, let's get into today's message. The invasion, here comes the battle. If you have your Bibles, if you'll look with me, Romans chapter 7. We're going to start at verse 14. Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 14. I also want to say, while you're finding that in your, in your Bible, Romans 7, starting at verse 14. I also want to say thanks to Dale for allowing us to use your, uh, your tractor this week out here and running back and forth and bringing uh, and John and Dwayne... Um, What's their last Smith. They are the, actually the guys who put up this building back here, the metal guys. They allowed us to use their little mini excavator all week long for no charge. And if you know them, when you run into them, see, I love those guys because, see, it wasn't just about putting up a building and getting money. They invested back into something. And so they, we use that machine all week long. And, and so thank you. When you run to thank them, and I and, and Dale, Dale, I mean David's not here, but David uh, uh, gave us the grates for the over the pipes out here, and so many people have done so many things that you you forget to mention sometimes, Amen. And so thank you uh, for all of you who have done that <clears throat> to help us. Romans chapter seven, verse fourteen. I am going to read from the English Standard Version today. It, it's uh, there's a few words in there that I like a little better that kind of breaks this thing down on where we're going to preach today. And it's very, the English Standard Version is very close to the New King James, which I typically p preach from. Uh, Romans 7, 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. All right? So it starts out right off the bat. The law is spiritual, but I'm in the flesh. Say, I'm in the flesh today. You see, you really don't like to say that in the church. I get in the flesh, you know. But today, you're in the flesh. Guess what? Tomorrow, you'll be in the flesh. You know, when you leave church, you're going to be in the flesh. You know why? Unless you die, you're in the flesh. Because you live, you got this spirit, but it's housed in this flesh. I have this saying around the guys that are, some of you are close to me, and I've said it in here. My spirit saved my flesh crazy. My flesh crazy shot rabbit sometimes. You know what? Now, here's the deal. I don't mean for it to be. But I'm living in the flesh. I blame it on other people too. I know y'all don't. That's just me. All right? Watch this. Verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. You ever done something say, why in the world did I do that? Everybody that's an adult has said that, done something, said, oh, man. When it came out. You was hoping you could run and grab it and pull it back in before it got to their ears. Come on, we've done things that, why in the, why did I do that? What came over me? What was I thinking? Amen. For I do not uh, understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Verse 16, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Uh-oh, remember, we got that flesh, but you're born into sin, that old sin nature that's around us. Now watch. Verse uh, 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have 
the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You ever been there? I have before. I don't mean to. You ever on accident, maybe been when you were younger, playing with a ball and a bat and stuff, and you hit the ball and hit somebody in the face? The first thing you do is run, oh, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. Well, you, you, you meant to hit the ball. You just didn't know where that ball was going to end up. But you took it on yourself to say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, oh what was I thinking? I, I shouldn't hit it that hard. I shouldn't hit it this direction. Now. Okay, well, you didn't. Okay? So I, I say a few of these things because I'm going to make a point in a minute. Verse 19. For I do not do good, I won't. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Hmm. Paul's saying some stout stuff here. We love Paul, don't we? Yeah, we, we believe what Paul said. Paul's saying, look, he, this, is, this is personal. This is first tense. He's saying, there's some things I do I don't want to do. Verse 19 again. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I, find to be, uh, so I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Mm-hmm. Lurking at the door. When you're at that pivotal thing, when that enemy called your mind, and we're going to get there in a minute, wants to do one thing, and you know you need to do another, and that enemy's saying, it's going to be all right this one time, then nobody going to know. And nobody around. Who, if you don't tell them, I ain't going to tell them. I'm going to tell you a secret. I did something that nobody knows at my house yesterday. I came in, and we had been hot all week. Y'all know I love some sweet tea. I put an extra 30 cup of sugar in the tea. Glory to God. She don't know it yet. You say, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm giving you an example. See, we do things we think nobody knows. We'll do that. That doesn't hurt. Then my wife tells me, hey, you know what? My cholesterol's high, and I got all these in my triglycerides. Side. I'm thinking, oh, God, she's been drinking my sweet tea again. <laughs> I don't even know if that has anything to do with those items. I'm just telling you, it made you feel bad when you start doing stuff. You, oh, look, don't drink that tea. Let's pour that out. That's sour, isn't it? <laughs> I know y'all don't do this stuff at y'all's house. I had the John 3 guys this week talking about sweet tea and my wife. Because we talked about sweet tea over Charlie Mays. Good Lord, that's good sweet tea over there too. That's almost as good as Arvell's. Verse, <clears throat> verse 22. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. Watch it. What did he say? Let, let, let read these two together. Verse, verse 21. So I, find that, so I find to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Evil's right there. But verse 22. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. It's in here's where that law, that word ought to be hidden. I delight in doing that, but my flesh wants to do something I'm not going to delight in. It's a trouble. There's a battle that goes on right there. Here comes the battle. Verse 23, but I see in my members these things, this. I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin. That dwells in my members. 
Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? It's a question. Paul said, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Now, is, is Paul, you got to read verse 5, 6, and 7, and 8. I mean, chapters 5, 6, 7, 8. Is he saying it's okay for you to go sin? Absolutely not. He makes that, that, that two-word statement several times. It is not okay. Well, I'm, it's what I got. It's what we're going to work with. So I'm going to go and do it anyway. That's not what he's saying at all. He doesn't, he's not saying He said, look, he understands that this, this sin nature has got a hold on you. Matter of fact, he says you're captive to it. Your spirit saved. But you're captive. This old body wants to do bad things. There's amen on for everybody in the room. Amen. We, Pastor, even you? No, 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 not me. I'm just talking to you. Remember, I want to talk about you. Right? Wasn't talking about me, right? I want to talk about you now. Sure. Me. I'm paddling your boat. <laughs> it's me. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. So who do you think is your main adversary? Ought to be pretty simple. You. You're your main adversary. Not, not your spouse, not your children, not your, not, your, not your co-worker, not your boss. No. Not the teacher down at the school that doesn't like your child. Uh-oh. Come on. None of those. Who's your worst enemy? Your adversary is... You. This is why this is such a battle. Because you don't want to deal with you. Nobody. I, I never wake up and say, man, I hope I get to reprimand myself today. I hope I, I, hope I get, to get, get to get on to me today. I've never awakened and thought that. I may have gotten up and said, who do I need? I'll tell you what, I'm going to go tell them. I've done that a few times, and that didn't work out too good for me either. So our, our worst enemy, our, our main adversary is me is you. So why, second question, why can't you keep the enemy from coming at you? Because you are housed by your greatest enemy called the flesh. It's always with you. Think about it. This thing I'm talking about today is not somebody over there. It's somebody that when you leave here is going to go with you. When you sit out in your car, it's going to feel everything you feel. Matter of fact, it's going to tell your brain that it's hot outside when you walk out. When you go home and lay down today or when you go by and get a meal, it's this thing's going with you. You'll never leave this thing until you die. This thing is your greatest adversary because it's your flesh. And dear Lord, you know what flesh does when it dies? Stinketh. Some of us are walking around dead. <laughs> works of the flesh. Let me give you some works of the flesh. I didn't come up with these. This is what the Bible says is the works of the flesh. That thing that you're going to take home with you. That thing that's sitting there with you and you're pretending to be holy in the church house. That thing that raised its hands a while ago and worshiped God, that thing, that, that enemy, that's with you right now. This is what the Bible says. This is, this is what the flesh wants to do. Ready? In Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 19 through 26. 19 through, if you have suspenders or anything like that, it would be a good time to snug him down because it's going to be a good one, okay? 
Now, the works of the flesh are evident. <laughs> I didn't even like it when I read it. The works are the flesh of evidence. You know what come to my mind? I thought I was, I thought I was the only one new. Paul says, or Galatians, yeah, and Paul says, no, they're evident. Everybody knows. You just think they don't. Everybody knows. Everybody sees them. Thinking, oh, Lord. Galatians 5.19 says this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Uh, that, that's lewdness. You know what that is? That's a, a, a gross sin. That's a lewdness is just a great perversion. That's what sensuality is, a great perversion. Uh, homosexuality is a great perversion. Lesbianism is a great perversion. Uh, 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 transgenderism is a great perversion. That's an amen moment in the church house today. Verse 20, idolatry. Thank God we don't have any idolatry in our, in our flesh. You know what idolatry is? Watch. Very simple. This is the simplest way. We can go deeper, deeper in the message, but here's the idolatry. Anything you put in front of God. I said anything you put in front of God is an idol to you. Watch this. Your spouse. Your family, your children. We got to take care of them. I didn't say anything about not taking care of your kids. But if you put them in front of God, they become an idol to you. The things you have, your work, uh-oh, watch this, your pleasures that you want to go do, if you constantly are putting those in front of God, it's an idol. You say, Pastor, how, how can I identify these? Take you a piece of paper and a pencil and write down how many more times you do what your, your flesh wants to do than you do things for God. And that'll show you where your idols are. Did you write that on a piece of paper. How many more times? Because be, there'll be one thing you do way more than anything else. And if you're doing that way more than you're doing stuff for God, and that can be many things. I mean, talking about reading your Bible, studying, uh, coming to church, uh, working in the church, doing all these things. When you, when you, that's an idol to you because it's first. It's front. I never not wanted to do anything that I really wanted to do. I told Ethan the other day, I said, son, of course, it was 100 degrees. It makes it feel really good. I said, son, I want to go snow skiing this year so bad. He's about as bad as I am about going snow skiing. Well, Dad, if we do this, this, and this, we can come up with the money. We can go. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go. We made a plan. So when I announce in a few, few months that I'm going snow skiing, y'all don't be surprised because it was something I want to do. But if I want to do that all the time and I don't want to serve God and don't want to love God, we got a problem with snow skiing. You can have a problem with vacationing. I love my sister, but she said, that burned a little bit. When you get them shots, you know, they burn. You, you got to watch this stuff. It'll creep in. 
Do you know the devil doesn't jump up to your flesh and say, guess what, I'm going to try to get, I'm going to try to deter you from going to church and doing the things of God. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And you're saying, no, you won't. He come in and start doing things and you don't even know he's there. It's easy to do because your enemy's your flesh. You, hey, you're with the enemy already. He just starts, starts talking to this other thing. Let's continue called the mind. Watch this. Um, verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. I don't even like that. That's a little division. Strife. Oh, your flesh hadn't called any strife in the church, has it? Division, dissensions. Hadn't done that, has it? Or, 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 or maybe in your family. There's no strife and dissension in your family, has it? Your spouse. Your flesh is nasty, ain't it? See, you thought we were going to talk about church house. No, we're talking about your house. Remember, we we're going to talk about. Jealousy? It's amazing from here when you start looking up everything. I'm telling off on you. I'm telling you. You thought it wasn't evident, but the Bible says it's evident. That's what the Bible said. The works of the flesh are evident. I didn't come up with it. I don't have some superpower. The Bible says it's evident. Fits of anger. Y'all will look at me and say, that pastor has fits of anger. Guaranteed. Almost had an anger problem this week. I did have an anger problem this week, but I was controlled in how much I let it get away. Let me give you a little story because I'm telling you, pastor, because it's me, because now I'm going to talk about me. Okay? But that's my problem. Many of you that are close to me know that I had, well, you don't have to be close to me. I've said this from the pulpit. I have I've had an anger problem in the past. Fits of anger. So this week we were we were pouring concrete. We were doing really good, and 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 uh, the guy called me and said, <clears throat> "This was on Thursday afternoon. We had lined up every day. We were going to pour. What time? What time? Thursday was going to be 4:30 a.m. So we got, and they didn't come at 4:30. Kind of got under my burr, my saddle, just a little bit. Okay. So that's fine. We got to pouring about 5:20. That afternoon, I liked. I'm kind of a prepared kind of fellow. I want to know that you know that what we're going to do tomorrow, even though you come up with it, I want you to know. I'm going to remind you. So I reminded this guy. I called him about 4.30 and said, hey, uh, we're still on for 8 in the morning. No, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> what do you mean it's not going to happen? Well, we got this other job. I said, oh, wait a minute. Well, you already on a job. Come on. You got another job. We ain't finished with this job first. He said, well, you got to call somebody. I said, well, just let me have his number in Jesus' name. <laughs> so I called the other guy. I said, hey, what's the deal? He said, what? I said, uh, the other fellow eh, told me we wasn't going to pour it no way. This going to be later on today. Wasn't sure. I said, that ain't going to work for me. I said, I have guys from North Arkansas, as you well know. And they got to leave. We ain't poured in the afternoon. Let me see what I do. I said, no, you know, I get all tongue-tied. It ain't what you're going to see you're going to do. This is what we're going to do. I was aggravated. Thank God some of the guys from John 3 came up because I was fixing to lose it. And my inner man said, Marty, as my daddy said, act like you got some sense. These folks is looking at you. And I said, See what you can do. 
Call me back. Please. He called me back in like two or three minutes. He said, you know what? Y'all work with us all week. We're going to make it happen. We'll move somebody else. But I guarantee you, if I'd have let that fits of anger come on out, he'd have put me the next Friday. Come on now. I know this don't happen at y'all house, but right now I'm talking about me. I'm going to talk about you in a minute, okay? <clears throat> fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. We talked about it. Divisions, envious. Anybody envy in here? Envy what somebody else has. I can honestly say ain't nobody ever been envied about what I got. <laughs> I'm like the fella says, he break into my house, you better bring something of value. So when you leave, you say you got something. Come on. You know. <clears throat> envy. Drunkenness. Looking fast on that one. Drunkenness. Orgies. That don't even sound right coming out of the Bible, does it? Hello? Because why? The flesh is your worst enemy. Y'all don't even like it when I talk about that. And the things like these, I warn you as I warned you before. This is Paul saying, I'm warning you. This is the works of the flesh. This is that very, that main enemy in your life. He says, I'm warning you. As I've warned you before, that these who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that, I don't even have to think about that. I understand that language. Me and Scotty were talking before church, and he said, Why would somebody not want to serve God, love God? I said, It's real simple. It's two things. One, because there's no instant penalty for sin, and there's no instant gratification for doing right. And the world has told you, it's all about you. Look good, how, you, how good you look. You, you need this, you need that. It's all about you. You need to take this, you need to get this shot, you need to get this tucked and this pulled and this stretched and all that stuff that we do. Come on. You, devil stole more money in, in, in uh, gym membership than anywhere. I wish I, wish I had just the money that the, the devil stole in gym membership to come into this church. I just need it for one week because most people are going to the gym. They pay a membership and never go. I've been paying membership for seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve years, and I ain't never been there. I ain't even been inside the building. <laughs> I love my kids. <laughs> Heathen Shelby started dating. He said, hey, Dad, can I have your gym key? I said, I don't even know if I got to get him. Oh, you got one's in the drawer in here. So I want to give that to Shelby. I said, well, somebody get some use out of it. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Did you? Let's, let's read it again. If we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know when stuff gets messed up is when you get out of tune. You get out of line with the Spirit. See, see, the Spirit ain't trying to keep up with you. you got to keep in step with the Spirit. If you were up here on the worship team and, and I was to sing, which I will not, but if I was to sing with the worship team, the first thing you would hear was could be complete silence and somebody up here would say, 
You're not in tune. You're not on pitch. You're off rhythm. Come on. Why is it? Because, see, that messes up the beautiful sounds you hear. Same thing. When you get out of step with the Lord Jesus Christ and what his word says and how to defeat the enemy, when you get out of step with walking with him, guess what happens? You get tripped up and you fall. Not because the spirit was weak. Not, not because God made a mistake and he didn't think about your problem when it was coming down. Oh, I didn't write that in the playbook. That ain't got nothing to do with it. It's you got out of step, out of line with the word of God. Now, y'all know I love westerns. The sons of Katie Elder with John Wayne. Did I get a man? I feel the Holy Ghost. They were having the ambush up on the, 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 the four boys, and they were shackled together. And, and, and they, under the bridge, that's right. Somebody watched John Wayne too. I knew this was a Holy Ghost filled church. I just I sensed it, but now I know for sure. And, and uh, two of the brothers were going to go back, and he said, Hey, hey. I, I, I know where some guns are in the wagon. And, and he said, okay. So they go back, they swim underwater, they get to the guns, and they get it. And John Wayne hollered, keep in step or you will fall because they had chains on. It was very important because they was going to lead the wagon, get the wagon and be, have it for cover. So they were going to run along beside the wagon, keep it from killing, and they were going to jump in the water. Isn't that awesome? See, so you can get spiritual stuff out of a western. You've got to stay in step. And see, the moment, if you're using God for a cover, come on now. You've got to stay in step with what he wants to do in your life. Not what you think he wants to do, but what he wants to do in your life. And if you don't stay in step, you're going to get tripped up. And when you get tripped up, you get mad. And then you get mad at God. Well, you know you can't get real mad at God, so you get mad at people at the church. They didn't help you do this. They done this. They done this wrong to me. And they done this. And, and so all of a sudden, you tripped up. And it's your flesh all along, your greatest enemy, saying, well, I've not done that to you. I wouldn't go back to that church if I was you. Maybe it was good correction and instruction that you needed. And you got mad. You got upset. You got out of step, out of line with the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is good stuff. Verse 25, 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Man, well, let me move on. The spirit man is what connects you to God, okay? We're in this flesh. We're, this is our enemy, this fleshly thing. But it's the spirit man that connects us with God. So what part of you gets saved when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Your flesh? It's your spirit. Your spirit gets saved. What the Bible says, it's the spirit. Watch this. In uh, John 3, 6, it says, That which is born of the flesh is of the flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is of the Spirit. Think about that a minute. Your flesh don't get saved. You can come to this altar, give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, get up, have desires that you had last night. You have memory of what you did there. That part doesn't go away. Some of y'all act like y'all are sinless. 
that you don't deal with problems. Anybody here, you can, you can, I don't want to know what it is, but you ever dealt with something in your life that you, 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 you just knew that this was going to be the last time you was ever going to do that, you was ever going to disappoint God, and this was going to be it, you just knew it, and then tomorrow you did the same thing over. I'm just saying, man, promise God. He makes crazy statements like, Lord, whatever's making me do that, get rid of it out of my life. I'm glad he didn't because he'd had to cut some stuff off of me and jab some stuff and pull some stuff out of me. I'd be dead. Thank God. That fits the anger. Guess what? He'd had to get rid of my mind. Some of you say, well, he already did that. He did that. So it's your spirit that gets saved. But it's still housed in your greatest enemy. Did you hear me? Your spirit is saved on this, but it's housed in your greatest enemy called the flesh. You ever looked in the mirror and say, man, I want a spiritual workout today. You ever go by the mirror and say, good Lord. Man, you need, a, you need some physical workout today. You need to work on this part right here. Because we think our spirit's okay. We can't see it. It must be okay. But the Bible says there's some things that probably bother us. So let's move on. I'm going to hurry. The soul. That's your mind and your will and your emotion. That connects you to your self-consciousness. Okay? We serve God with our minds. That's a scary thought. I got a lot of verses come to my mind and said, that can't be possible. Watch this. Verse, uh, Romans 7, 25 says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my, but my flesh, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. How in the world are we going to make this happen? I mean, my mind, your mind, your brain matter, if you will, is what? It's housed in your Flesh. I told you, flesh is your greatest enemy. How we, how's this going to work? I mean, doesn't even sound right. It's getting, about like getting locked up for something you didn't do. How are you going to get out when there's no law? You don't know anybody. You're in a town way off. It'd be like going to, to Mexico and getting put in jail. You don't know anybody. Can't get any, you, don't, you can't speak the language. Everything's different. You don't know how to call back home. You don't have a lawyer down here anyway. And you don't have the money to, pay, to fly somebody down there to represent you. I mean, that like, oh, mm, that's hopeless. You're in captivity. That's what that kind of seems like to me in this thing here. I, my mind, I'm serving with God, but I'm, in, I'm encapsulated with this sin thing. God, you better help me. Okay? Your soul remembers your past victories. It's a mind, will, and emotion. And it remembers your past defeats. And it runs them through this computer called your mind or of your emotions and sends them to your flesh, this body, for verification. For you to decide what you're going to do with them. Amen. So you process all this fleshly desire. Processes through the, that thing that you love God with. That you serve God with, I mean, right here. It processes through this. Sends it to your will and your emotions. 
and said, what you going to do with that? You know that thing you struggle with? That thing that you said you're never going to do again in the past? That thing that defeated you? And now you've went about four, five, six months you felt so good because it hasn't bothered you that much. It hadn't been nipping at you like a little dog. And all of a sudden, then you fall into that same thing. Because, see, that thing that you didn't want to do, that flesh said, I want to do that again. Sin is pleasurable to the flesh. Because that's the tool that the devil uses. Because he can't create anything else. He can only use what's already created. You understand that, right? He can just use what's there, and he distorts it and perverts whatever's there and then runs it through this mind, and then it comes out this flesh, and whatever you decide through your will that you're going to do, guess what? You'll get to do it because God will not break free will. You hear me? God will not break free will. That's got a hip right there. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, let's move on. We're going to hurry. The fleshly man or your body connects you with the world. In Romans 6, 12, the Bible says this, let us let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Your body is mortal, okay? The Bible says don't let it reign. You know what that tells me? There's an option for you to let it reign. Not reign like reign, but control you. There's an option for it to control you. If there's an option not for it not to control you, there must be an option for it to control you. So he says, don't let it control you. Who's he talking to? He ain't talking to the center, folks. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. We like to say it's to the center, folks, but here, this message is talking to the church. Church at Rome. Holy people. Says, let, let's, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You mean to tell me that my flesh wants to obey passions and I love the Lord Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. It'll do it if you let it. Just let it go unchecked. Matter of fact, it'll do it and you try to keep it in check. Y'all loving this. I'm telling you, I loved it just as much as you did first time about three or four years ago and this is just mm, my lord that word reign means to be king to exercise kingly power to reign to exercise the highest level of influence do you hear me what you allow yourself to do right now before let's just say this while you're a sinner what you what you're in uh, what you're engaged in do you know that has a very high level of influence in your life when you become saved in your flesh when you become saved you catch that? I look back on my life and say, oh, yeah. I can look. If you're honest, you look back on your life, those things that you participated in that you knew you shouldn't, those bad things, guess what? If you look now as being saved, you'll see that those have the greatest influence in your life, and that's what you battle with the most. And that's what Paul's saying. Don't let this thing reign in your mortal body. Because if you're not careful, you don't, you'll obey its passions. It ought not be that way, church. So how do we get our minds to quit following the flesh? 
That's the question, right? How do I, how do I get this? I'm serving it with God, and my mind wants to do this, and my, and my mind's supposed to be in love with God, but yet my flesh manifests this nasty works of the flesh that we read in Galatians. How do we get to this point where we say, I'm not going to do that anymore? Well, here it is, summed up in one simple word, two simple words. You die. Come on. That's how you're going to rid yourself completely. You die. Period. You die. Even in hell. You don't have to worry about the flesh anymore. Think about it. Flesh don't go to hell. Your spirit goes to hell. Isn't that crazy? You die. That's how you get rid of it. But I got some better news than that because you said, well, I, ain't, I don't want to die today. Well, neither do I. Amen. So here it is. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your... That by testing, you may discern what, the will of God, what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So wait a minute. So in my mind, I've got to transform my mind... Right? Listen to me now. Transform my mind by renewing it. How do we renew it? What are we renewing it to? The Word of God. It's already in tune with the world. Right? So it's just be not conformed, but be renewed. And it's implied, since he's talking to the church, that it's the Word of God that you and I have that's the implication that you renew your mind to the things of God to the will of God that is perfect and acceptable in your life when you go back and do those things when you were a sinner and now you're saved and you, and you, you have a little relapse if you will and your flesh goes back and does those things you can ask yourself questions is this, is this God's will and acceptable in my life for Him? the answer is no if you were kind of wondering the answer is no it's just real simple See, we complicate the gospels too much to me. Use some common sense in, in application of the Word of God. He says, renew your mind. We wonder why we fight the flesh when we never read the Word of God. We wonder why we fight the flesh when we never pray. We wonder why we're always drawn and have that high level of influence when we're never worshiping God. Have you ever noticed this? If you're honest, you, 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 will, you can agree with me. I mean, you'll agree with me. Your spirit will. Have you ever noticed uh, that when things happen, life happens, I'm, I'm not pointing at any, but just for circumstance, when you're out from the body of Christ for an extended period of time, two, three, four, five weeks, you start doing, saying, and listening to things that you normally weren't, would not be doing if you were connected to the body on a regular basis. If you're honest, you say, that's true. Or well, maybe a little thing. But you'll start letting that little thing slip. That little tongue slip. That little insinuation. That little dirty joke. That little cuss word. You say, well, Pastor, is there, is there, is there, a, is there something against cussing? I don't know of a cuss cuss word police or anything like that but I do know this 
that's not acceptable to God. Why is it coming out of your mouth? It was once said that smart man knows what to say. And a wise man knows whether to say it or not. You can have a thought. If you don't act upon that thought, it stays the thought. You know when you get in trouble is when that thought becomes a reality and works out through the flesh. Because the works of the flesh, let's just say it this way, they're enmity with God. In other words, they're on the opposite ends of the field. And I'm going to tell you something, church. God's going to win. And God sees and God knows. We can play God all, play with God all of our physical life. We can be on the outside looking in. We can think that we're in. But I'm telling you, there's a fleshly war going on right here. If you don't control it, you're in trouble. Because the Bible says if you're participating in the works of the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't come up with it. I didn't write it. I'm telling you what it says. You got to get this flesh in check. Do you hear me? You got to get your flesh in check. There's an invader coming. If you'll stand with me across this room. There's an invader that's coming to your life. Matter of fact, I'll say this. He's not at the door. He surrounds you right now. Right now. The enemy of your soul works through your flesh. Dear God, is there hope? Yes, there's hope. There is hope because Jesus Christ stepped out of a heavenly throne room one day came down to this earth and watch this now he made it all about you do you understand that his primary focus was not to heal people his primary focus was not to turn water into wine his primary focus was not to disciple people his primary focus was that you and I would have hope a way out from this flesh that if we give our hearts to him we confess him and make him Lord and Savior even though there's an invader even though we have battles every day there is a way out through the Lord Jesus Christ upon confession and believing in your heart he made it all about you praise God he made it all about Marty that's just awesome to me. God knew what I was going to do, all my failures and all my pitfalls and all the stuff I was going to keep doing. And he still says, I love you. I care for you. I died for you. My son, I know you're having battles. I knew you are going to do that. I love you. Come on, this is good news, church. Teenagers what you're doing right now in life and I was a teenager once and it wasn't that long ago I promise I know what you're faced with teenager I know you're faced with going a little too far come on I'm with you now I'm with you I'm right with you going too far on your date that's what you're faced with you're faced with 
Mom and Daddy won't ever know that I smoked a little weed. They may not right now, but the Bible tells me this, that the works of the flesh are evident. You'll be found out. If you control, you take it from me. Somebody knows you control your passions right now, young people. You won't have to deal with that big thing when you get saved, when you get right with God, when you get older, when you get married, and that thing's haunting you. You won't have to deal with it. If you listen to this pastor, you do this. I promise you. Get right with God. Stay right with God. Be in step with God, not in step with what they're doing at the school, not in step with what the popular thing's going on, the peer pressure, what the fad is happening. Don't be doing it. Stay in tune with the Spirit because them friends, I'm telling you right now, my very best friend in school that I've talked to every day, spent the night with my very best friend. I mean, best friend ever in the world I ain't talked to in 25 years. That's what happens. You got all in, you follow them, and all of a sudden they're out of your life forever. And you, it's like, where did they go? I'm telling you, young people, listen to your pastor. It's good stuff. Listen to your mother and your father. Get in God's Word. Let's take care of that flesh right now. Let me, let me pray for you. Right 